Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullsh, 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 crazy with this bullsh, bullsh, bullsh. Welcome to episode seven of the nine to five killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today I have a very special guest, Grammy award winner, producer, mix master, and nine to five killer, introducing Mr. Neil Pogue. Welcome, Neil. It's an honor to have you on the show. How are you feeling today? Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. So uh, I would like to ask you, uh, where are you from originally? Originally, I was born and raised in Roselle, New Jersey. It's uh, it's a little borough, which they don't call it a, a town; they call it a borough. <laughs> it's uh, it's right near Newark, New Jersey, and Elizabeth, New Jersey. Cool. Did you have a uh, did your family originally from there, or or was it like uh, uh, where are they from originally? Are they are they out uh, like maybe the islands or something? Like you look like, kind of look Caribbean to me. Well, originally, I you know they're from the Carolinas. That's, you know, I guess that's where the plantation was. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from the Carolinas. Uh, that I mean, that's where my grandparents are from, on my on my maternal and paternal side, you know, from South Carolina and North Carolina. But I guess my grandparents, they all, you know, m- migrated or moved up to uh, Jersey for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. It was probably because of work. You know, I guess back in those days, that they hear about certain jobs in certain cities. So I guess they probably heard about opportunities in in jersey and that's where they came okay and did you have a big family like brothers sisters um no it's just me and my brother he's older he's four years older than i am but i have a lot of cousins aunts and uncles that made up for not having a bunch of siblings okay okay so in in my research i found i was very very surprised i found all these people that you worked with and the cool thing is i just name a few of them uh, Anderson Pack. Now, now, why were yeah. you surprised? Because uh, <laughs> I'll tell you why. One, the way you handle yourself. Very, you're, you're very like uh, just even toned. When I when I meet somebody that's done anything, the first thing they do is they rattle on about it and where they live and what they've accomplished. That's what I. That's my. That's uh-huh. my experience being being in New York. Oh uh, yeah. And yeah. then the other thing that surprised me is the sound of everybody. So these okay. people, the names I'm going to read, I would have never said the same person created those songs or, or, or was engineering okay. those songs because when I hear right. something, I know a person's sound. And I and what I don't gotcha. like about that is that I won't say anybody's name, but when I listen to a song and I know that that's this artist and then I go and I see that they engineered it, I'm not surprised. I was surprised right. by this list of names. So I got to read them off <laughs> just because oh, I was very, <laughs> very impressed. Uh, you got Anderson Pack, you got Outkast, mm. TLC, mm. Goody Mob, Lil Wayne, uh. Uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Brian McKnight. Uh, I love that album. U Turn. Am I am I correct right. on that? Okay, Janelle Monae. Yeah. Tyler the Creator, Busta Rhymes, uh, the Isley Brothers, Pink, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean I can't even gloss over that real quick. Did I say Earth, yeah, Wind, okay. and Fire, and the Isley Brothers? Right. I could stop right there and be just like, <laughs> how does somebody do uh, the Isley Brothers? And, and and do Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then do Tyler, Tyler the Creator. So you got to fill me in. Uh, how do you stay so custom, you know, with all those different sounds? 
you know, let me first thought, let me say that, you know, I've been blessed, man, because I grew up on all types of music. And I, I remember growing up in the 70s, uh, the early 70s. And um, I, I love, you know, listening to 45s, playing 45s. And I loved all types of music. I loved listening to AM radio, FM radio, and just hearing all types of music, and rock stations, pop stations, R&B stations, all that, you know. Because back in those days, everything was, was separated. You know, you can turn to each John, you're by whatever station that you're turning to, whatever station you're tuning into. Um, but, you know, it's really great because I, I love all types of music and it's good that it turned out that I'm working in, in all different genres and working for and working with my, my heroes, you know, the Isaac Brothers. I loved Isaac Brothers. I loved Earth and Me Fire. too, man. I, I saw that name and, and these, I was like, what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, these, these, these groups raised me, you know what I mean? Like, sitting in my room, you know, listening to music all, listening to Isaac Brothers albums and Earth and Fire. I mean, it's, trust me, it's it's surreal to, you know, to be in the same room with those legends and, and to work with them. Uh, trust me, I've I've been, I've been amazed too, you know, at myself and, you know, I give all credit to, to God, man, and, and making my dreams come true. But, you know, it's funny because I, I never, you know, I, I never... I, I, let me say, like, I never planned this out because okay. I never wanted to become a so-called mixer. I wanted to be a producer, but somehow the, the road turned and, and I became this mixer. And I started off as a drummer. And um, so I, I wanted to play, you know, I wanted to play for groups, for bands. Right. You know, I wanted to, you know, play concerts and all that, being a, you know, um, being a, a drummer, but then all of a sudden, I mean, I've always been intrigued by, by the studio. Like I was the guy that was in bands and I would be the producer in the band. I'd be the guy that would be, that would be arranging the songs and everything. And then everybody would go home and I'd still be there in, in the studio, intrigued by the faders and, you know, and, and, and the VU meters and all that and tape. And so I guess it, it all makes sense, but sometimes, I'm amazed too that my life has has turned out the the way it has, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I I didn't think about being an engineer mixer because uh, I went to school to really just work on my, my own production. And then after, after a while getting internships at studios and it, it turned into something else. And then um, after I started engineering and mixing people's records, um, you know, the uh, phone started started ringing. Oh, so wow, man. you know it's it's funny how the road turns you know but I'm I'm grateful because I always wanted to be in the music business you know I was I used to listen to all the Motown songs and always was fascinated by all the all the credits on albums and on 45 labels and wondering who wrote the song who produced it uh, and so those types of things I always paid attention to. Man, that's that's really uh, wild, so, man. That's so wild. Yeah. That's so uh, wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know what's it's funny? Crazy. As an engineer, right? So I didn't really, mm -hmm. I didn't really pay any attention to what an engineer does until I used mm -hmm. to be an event planner, and I did this uh, event called the show in um, in Manhattan Village. Mm -hmm. And so uh -huh. normally people could, would come in and they would they would sing in front of me, and then I would book them for the show because I wanted to make sure that they right. could sing. But this one uh -huh. lady who had a album, an album. She sent me in just the album, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds great." She got on that mm -hmm. stage, and she abused us 
for four, like four or five songs. <laughs> she abused my ears, and and my dad was there. That was the day my dad. My dad's big into music, and my dad was like, "What's going on?" And I said, "I wow. don't know." And then my buddy said, "No, she has a great engineer." And I was like, what's yeah. an engineer? And I didn't understand. And then yeah. my boy, who's an engineer, once I've, I've met a few, I asked him, right. could I hear just, you know, uh, just a track without mm-hmm. any production on it? And man, you right. guys are like miracle workers. Yeah. Miracle yeah. workers. <laughs> so I got to get like, a new respect you know, for it now. Like, yeah, it's like painting pictures, man. It's like being an artist, you know, like, because uh, music to me has, has colors. So it's, it's like one big canvas. And you just have to make it beautiful. You have to try to make it beautiful, or it can be abstract, or it can be whatever. But I look at, at songs, and songs is songs are just little mini movies, little little stories, and and just uh, painted, you know, pictures. And and that and that's funny because when I when I think of of, of sound, I don't think of it like that until I decided to do like get in the podcasting business. And I never, I never thought of, of, of sound before because I was doing music videos. And so it's always just the artist gives me their track. I put it over. I don't think so much about the sound, but then when I started to do work on my film, I said to myself, um, I want to make sure that whoever comes on this, the show, whether it's on the film or even the podcast, I didn't want them to ever feel like, I didn't care about the sound, and when you when you came over that day and you and you listened, you were there when Cherokee was there, and you were and you were sitting there. I was nervous because I'm like, this is a sound engineer, so he's gonna he doesn't even have to tell me he don't like it. He just won't be on the show if I ask him. So I was like, when I asked you and you said yes, I said he must have liked the sound because, uh, you know, I'm assuming so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Yeah, man. So uh, my all question good. would be. Uh, what was your last nine to five, the last job that you held where you worked for someone else? Or did you ever have a nine to five? Oh, yeah, I had plenty of nine to fives. I had warehouse jobs. I had uh, I worked in uh, customer service. Um, what else? I can go back farther than that. I was a paper boy. That was my first job. Yeah, I did, I did that before. <laughs> I to, yeah, yeah I, used to, I used to do landscaping with my grandfather back in New Jersey. So yeah, I I know what hard work is, you know what I mean, and and I think that kind of transfers to how I work on music too. That whole thing about working hard and working long hours and and uh, not taking things for granted either, and knowing that you know just how easy you got it, 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 it could be taken away from you. So um, you know you can't think take things for granted, and you have to be the best. You have to try to be the best. I mean. You know, everybody can't be the best because there's only one room for the, for the best. But, um, you know, I, I at least I want to get on the list. You know what I mean? I know exactly <laughs> and, what you mean. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, I just work hard, man, because when I was growing up, there wasn't many engineers, guys of color that I that I saw. There, there might have been guys out there, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I didn't see it. So just by being just by you know being in certain studios and seeing that I was the only guy of, of color that was you know working on on music so I I felt as though I had to work a thousand percent harder yeah. um, mm-hmm. and uh, and being that I I loved all genres of music I had to prove myself you know because 
a lot of guys would see my name on, on records and they'd walk into a room and they would think that the assistant was with me wow. because they didn't think, you know, this is before the, the internet and they didn't, you know, uh, so they, they see the name Neil, Neil Pogue and they thought it was a white guy. Right, right. So they walk in the room and they say, and, and they talk to the assistant and he says, no, that's Neil. And they go like, oh, you know what I mean? So, uh, so those were some funny times. But now, of course, people can see you and go and they can Google your name and see what you look like. But, um, but those are the things that, that I had to deal with. But, um, but you know, I, well, I always felt I had to prove myself, but yeah. it was all good. Yeah, I mean, it, what, what I always say, you know, pressure builds diamonds. So the more pressure they put on you, the more yeah. you're out there to have to do something. So that that said, yeah. that brings up another question I want to ask you. I was at I was at a a podcast convention uh, recently, mm-hmm. and uh, uh-huh. one of the um, so there was a bunch of fellow people um, podcasters around, and they asked this. Um, I'm asking this question because it has to do with audio, so I want to know your your opinion on this. The uh, okay. the person asked one of the panelists. He said, well, I have a, I've been podcasting for a few months, he said, and I have, you know, a bunch of episodes up that the audio people complained about the audio didn't sound good or cut out. Should I take those down? Now, I'm not going to tell you what the panelist said, but I'm curious, what, what would you, what advice would you have given to that person? Uh, knowing that, you know, it's a podcast and there's going to be a bunch of shows and you want listeners and the listeners have said the, the, the audio cuts out. It doesn't sound very good. Um, you know, you should take it down. What would you, what would you advise somebody like that? I think you would, first of all, just try to re- resolve what the issues are of why the sound is, is bad. But um, as far as taking the podcast down, I don't know if you should take them down. If it, if it just has some a little drop out here and there, you know, that's that it is what it is. It's like watching live TV and sometimes, you know, engineers have have sound problems but i mean you can't go back and fix it while you're doing live stuff so it, it is what it is but taking something down i don't know that's that's a fine line it's like how bad is it that it needs to be taken down oh it was, it was pretty um, I, I when i listened to it it was, it was pretty bad like what i was thinking that the person would take it down and you could you um now with or with the with the, uh, the current technology you could take something down um, I've had right. podcasts that weren't good. The engineering wasn't good on it. Mm-hmm. I took it down, uh-huh. um, fixed it, and I put it back up. And you don't even know that it's gone. It just re- oh, it, it you changes. Could fix it then. Yeah, you could fix yeah, it. You and could fix it. he had about like oh, okay. forty up that were really bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it, I thought you meant like one. No, oh, he had no, a bunch. no. Yeah, then yeah, then he had <laughs> <laughs> he had a problem. Yeah, yeah I went because. I went because I remember the I remember you know the person asking so I said let me go check this person that's doing that and I went and I and I was saying to myself I wouldn't if if your first forty are bad and then because what happened he had a very cheap mic and so there was a lot of feedback it was a lot of you know a lot of sounding on it I could tell it was just a cheap mic and he said that during the show but I was thinking to myself if anything you know when you starting out you don't have thirty people have a short attention span who's gonna sit through. 40 bad things and expect that um, uh, episode number 41 is going to be good. So that's why I was curious about that response that this guy gave him. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so you should take it down. <laughs> he has a, <laughs> he has a bunch of, you know, podcasts that, that are, they sound like crap. Then yeah, you need to take it down. Man. And you know, what's funny. We come in from a, uh, well, I'm, I'm from, I would say that I, I, I'm, I'm born in the seventies, uh, 73. And so I'm from an era where, 
you know, if you wanted to get something done, you had to be on the radio. We didn't have the choice to like right now we're talking and I'm uh, you're in L.A. and I'm over here in New York and we're over the phone and we could do this thing, which wasn't possible. And I think sometimes people take it for granted and don't try to do their very best because they didn't see what was going on back in the day that we didn't have this opportunity. So uh, what's your thoughts on that? Can you ask that one more time? Uh, what's your thoughts on, on people not realizing that, you know, we didn't have this opportunity back in the day to have, you know, all this technology where we you're in L.A., I'm in New York, and we can talk to one another. Right. Why, why not mm-hmm. do the very best you can if you can do it? Right, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You can't take things for granted. You, you, you know, th- these are things that, that, are, that are given us. These are, these are miracles, really. I mean, every time I look at technology, it, to me, I, I look at it as, as a miracle to be be able to talk to somebody 3,000 miles away, that's, that's amazing. I'm always in, in awe of technology, you know? So yeah, you, you can't, um, yeah, you can't treat technology like, like that. Like there's nothing, right? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, you can't do that. Nah. So I read in one of your interviews. You, you, you got to have some type of, you, you, you got to have the respect for the technology. Indeed. I, I think, but you know what it is? I think that when you, when, when you never experienced what we experienced, I, like I saw a guy was complaining the other day to me about his Texas wasn't loading up or the page wasn't loading up. And I just started laughing. He's like, what are you laughing at? I said, I remember when mm-hmm. I had a, a two way. And he's like, what's a two-way? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know what a two-way was. Wow. So I better explain for my listeners. He was, he was obviously, he was he was younger, right? He was younger, but I was thinking, he's about my age, but then he was, when I said a two-way, he started like, what's a two-way? And I was like, man, I'm getting net to that yeah. age where they don't know what a two-way is or what a beeper was. So I could see how if you're born in this um, now, you know, you don't know what what we went through. Like if I wanted to learn something, I had to go yeah. to a library and I wasn't, I wasn't very good with returning books. So I was, ba- I was banned from my library. So when, the, <laughs> so when the internet came around, man, there's nothing that I won't Google. Right. Exactly. It's, it's sad when people don't, don't know something. It's like, how do you not know that? I mean, Google's right there at your fingertips. I, I'm not bashing people, but sometimes people don't take the time to really know certain things. I mean, they'll, they'll ask somebody rather than, rather than looking up. I mean, Google's right there. You know what I mean? Things yeah. that things that you're curious about, it's right there at Google. You can, I mean, I've, I've learned so much nowadays. Um, I've, I've learned more out of school than I've had, than I've learned in, in school. <laughs> I feel <laughs> the same way. Google just like, it schools you, man. With, it's, everything is right there. And it's, it's so amazing things that I've, I've learned since being out of school. Um, and, and now I look at it and go, wow, really? That's, that's what that meant? Or that's what that was? Or, or the teacher didn't really break it down properly? Or, or maybe I, I didn't read it correctly back in the day, but now I can sit there and just Google it and look at it and go, oh, okay, that's what it was. Or it goes even deeper into the story because you probably skimmed over it in, in school. And now you know the real deal, or maybe they lied to you or they gave you some you know, they, they gave you smoke and mirrors and didn't give you like the actual real story. So it's great to have this in, internet, man, and Google and all that. Yeah, I'm, tell, I'm, I'm telling you, it's amazing. Incredible. And hearing somebody, yeah. hearing somebody that, you know, um, is older like me um, say that is really mm. good. Because good. when I talk to some of my friends, you know, in my age group, they're like, man, this internet spoiled everything. I'm like, how? I'm like, you don't, you know how difficult it was when, when I got into photography, I would talk to some of my friends that, 
you know, that I wanted to get into it. And they were like, well, who, you got to know a photographer. I'm like, no, I don't. There's, there's a bunch of like, I went to lynda.com and I, of course I did talk to some people who did photography, but I found that some of the people that have been around for a long time looked at me like, yeah, more of these young guys getting involved in it. And they, they looked at that as more of a competition as opposed to like, let me, let me pass on this information to you. So now I'm not restricted by what I can learn. It's just how long do right. I want to spend online? I get up at four o'clock every day in the morning just to stay mm -hmm. abreast of what's going on. And it's amazing. Right. I'm amazed by all this technology. It's really, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, because back, I tell people all the time, people have not changed. Technology, technology has changed. And what I mean by that is that people think being that we know what's happening in Kansas or New Orleans, doesn't mean that life hasn't been the same. There's always going to be crazy people everywhere. It's going to be, you know, murders and rapists and all that. That has never changed. But being that we've got this technology that lets us know what's happening at any given moment, we have become this fearful, uh, um, this fearful society because now we get all this news coming at us when before we didn't hear about something maybe until two days later or maybe never heard about something. That's why we 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 can be reading something on Google and reading about something that happened back in the 90s or 80s, and we're, we're like, how come I never heard about that? It's because we never had the internet feeding us all this news at, at one time. Um, so, it, but this all this news, sometimes it's good, but it's not good because it creates all this fear, you know, and it's just crazy now. Exactly, and I, and I feel like, you know what it is? I feel like when it becomes that, because there was a point where I was listening to the news just to, to get ready to, to start my day. And then I stopped yeah. listening to the news. I spoke to this gentleman uh, who I interviewed and he said to me, you know, the first hour, I don't look at my phone. I was like, what? I usually wake up and look. That's the first thing I look at. He's like, he doesn't look at his phone for the first hour. He has some tea. He meditates. And I started doing that, you know, little 30 right. minutes here. And it, it really does help me because when I was watching the news and just like consuming it, you know, first of all, there's not, there's, there wasn't much I could do about it, I felt. Right. And I was just consuming it yeah. and it was changing my day. But now I feel yeah. like what I'm doing now is if I, if I, if for example, if I want something done now, I'll take a partner. Mm -hmm. Like I, I recently uh, interviewed a woman. Um, <clears throat> she, she did news for, for Al Jazeera TV. She, she was working uh -huh. for them seven years. She went independent right. because she was giving the news and they kept putting a spin of this negativity and she said she wanted to cover something different. So she took responsibility right. in her own hand and started, she went independent. So now she's a, she's a um, nine to five killer and she works for herself. And I said, I got to interview you. That's great. And I told her, I don't usually trust news people, but that story right there, I got to yeah. interview you. So she's next up. And um, I feel good about things like that because now I'm, I'm taking a yeah. part in it as opposed to like letting right. somebody else push some narrative down at a big corporation telling you, oh, this is how it is and this is what it is and just being fed and not doing anything about it. So yeah, I love the times now because of that reason. Yeah, it's great. There was a, uh, a TV show on HBO, I think, called Vice and they would give us all the different news. I love that show. I don't know if it's on TV anymore, but it was great. It gave you alternative news and it went deeper into people's thoughts and what people were doing and at any given moment in certain cities. And it was, it was really good. Um, it, it showed you things that we didn't see on, you know, on CNN or uh, MSNBC or the, or the regular networks. It went deeper 
and um, it was it was really really good. But um, but yeah, I definitely know what you mean. But going back to technology, mm-hmm. um, I I would I would I would tell these kids that are coming up now, like I'm so glad that I, I wasn't born in, in this era because you guys have missed so much. Because um, being that I came up during the tape era, you know, of analog, and uh, I, I would I would hate to only know digital because analog, just the sound of it and the feel of it, it was just beautiful. Like listening to old records, it's all analog, and it gives you a different feeling. You know, sometimes people don't understand why they. Of course, the the music is great, but just the sound of it, you know, it just it hits you a certain way versus digital it kind of cuts through you in, in some way. So I, I, I love the fact, and also I love the fact that, that I worked on, on analog because I know what something should sound like rather just rather just be enthralled into this digital domain of, of music. Right, so you have a point of reference to go back on. I get it. Yeah, you know what I mean? And sometimes people, you know, of course I, I work in, in the digital domain now, but sometimes people think it sounds analog because I worked in the analog world and I guess my some of my stuff just feels a little warmer or something but people always say did you do that on tape I'm like no I, you know it's just that I know how to how to manipulate it and how to make it sound like like that, that sounds coming good. from that that world right and um I have a question so you uh, I, re- I read in an interview that you were in that you said one of your and if I'm wrong tell me if uh one of your one of your dreams as a as a kid was to win a Grammy, and yeah. you won a Grammy. Okay. Uh, could you? Would you? And I, yeah. I'm not going to ask the typical question. People say, "How do you feel?" I would love to uh, to know the story of like what went on and and how did you come to know that you were even in the runnings, and then when you the feeling of getting it. Would you mind uh, telling me about um, that story? Yeah. Well, the the Grammy I, I won for was for uh, Outcast, um, Speaker Box, The Love Below and for album of the year and um i found out through a friend who who emailed who texted me um and told me that i was nominated because i wasn't looking at the news on that day that was back in 2003 and i wasn't looking at the news and so he texted me say, hey you're, you're nominated for this and i was like what so i looked in i was like wow so it's 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 an amazing feeling um and, but before that, I was nominated before that too, but didn't win. I, I was nominated for something else. What were you nominated for? Wait, you don't remember what it was or you don't remember? Um, it might've been, before that, it might've been Outkast, the Equimini album. I think it was for best rap album. I think I was nominated with them for, um, I don't know who we lost to or did we, I can't remember. It was, I don't know if it was that album or something else. Okay. That's but um, yeah, but I've been nominated about, maybe eight or nine times, but I've only won one, which is great. Some people don't even win one. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And hopefully I'll be nominated this upcoming Grammy, uh, Grammy season for, uh, for, uh, Tyler, the creator of the Igor album. Um, but no, nah, that, that's an amazing feeling. I, I remember I was watching a Grammy telecast with my uh, aunt and I forgot what year it was, but we were sitting there watching the Grammys and, I remember you two winning for the Joshua Tree. I think that's what the name of the album. But I remember saying, "I'm, I'm gonna win an album. I'm gonna win a Grammy one day." And she was like, "Oh, really?" She, you know, she kind of, <laughs> kind of brushed it off. 
that was my aunt Betty. I'm I'm calling her out now. She right, right. I was like, oh, really? oh, okay. I think I'm, I'm gonna win a Grammy one one day. And so, um, but I always believed that I I would. You know, what I mean, I'm the type of person that I, I like to put it out into the universe, and you know, and, and let it come back to to me and let it come true. I, I'm I'm into you know putting it out there, uh, making it happen. Uh, I'm I'm such an optimist. You know what I mean. And but, you actually um, do the work too, so because some people just put it out there, yeah, but they don't no, do anything. Work, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I work hard, so I, I think I, I deserve it as much as the next person. Um, so, but I, I truly believe in making the, making the universe work for you because if you think negative, it's going to give you negative. If you think positive, it's going to give you positive, and, and that's how it works. I mean, I, I believe I truly believe that's how God created it. I mean, we can make things happen. Um, of, of course, it's with prayer too, but he put it in us that we can make it happen by, by talking and saying it, you know. Um, but uh, what was I talking about? I, I think you were saying, you saying when, when, you, when, you won the, when you won the Grammy. And, yeah, when I won the Grammy, feeling, man. Yeah. It, was, it was an amazing feeling. It was, you know, and even hearing, hearing your name called is like, wow, you know. And, and the presenters was, uh, was Carlos Santana and, at, and uh, and Faith Hill, so going up on stage and shaking their their hand was that was that was amazing. Wow, man! Um, you know what I mean? And uh, I didn't get a chance to uh, to thank people because that was more of the out that was their their time out outcast. That was their time to to thank people. Um, but just being up there was was surreal because I remember always watching the Grammy telecast and seeing people walk up on stage and and. Um, and it's funny when you see people say, oh, my, my time is almost up. So what you see is you see this counter counting down, telling yeah. you that this is how much time you, you have until you need to get off stage. So it's pretty funny to see see the timer counting down. Right. <laughs> you know, so. And that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great, it was a great moment, man. So, and so how do you, how do you connect okay. with, how do you connect with somebody, you know, you've worked, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, Isley Brothers. How do you go from that outcast to now Tyler the Creator? Which I listened to the, I listened to some of the Igor album once I found out that you you had worked on. It. I hadn't never. I only listened to one of his songs before, but I said, you know, right. let me let me check out his stuff because I was curious yeah. how I was like, how could somebody that worked on that work on this? And then I said, whoa, mm -hmm. this is pretty. He's pretty good. I like I like I actually like the album oh, from what great. I heard. Thanks, yeah, it sound it sound really good. Did you did you yeah. engineer all of it or just some? I I, uh, I actually mixed the whole album. You yeah. mixed the whole album. Wow! I mean, yeah. it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's some beautiful uh, tracks on there. Some real oh, nice. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, you know, it's like I said. I mean, Tyler is a person that's influenced by all types of music. So, I think to to work on his music or anybody who's whose music is influenced by different genres, I think you you need to at least have some knowledge of it you know, of, of what you're working on. You have to have some, some knowledge of, of the past. Um, and, and if you didn't live it, then you need to do your homework. You, you need to listen to it. You need to, you know, soak yourself in, in those, in those sounds. I just have all types of music, all types of songs in, inside, inside of my head growing up through, through the seventies and eighties and nineties. And, you know, so I have an encyclopedia inside my head. I mean, I remember, you know, I was born in 63, so I I remember, you know, I remember the late 60s. So uh, listening to music, listening to AM radio in the car or in, in, in the house in the late 60s. So 
also, I mean, I have so much music inside of my head uh, because of all those all those decades. Um, so I kind of have the jump on on a younger mixer coming up now. Right, right. And do you find do you find that you also have a jump because you said you were a drummer? We have something in common because I wanted to play the drums. I was forced uh-huh. to play the flute and the alto sax, but no, no girls wasn't okay. lining up for the flute player or the alto sax right. player. So I was like, I don't want to. I, I wanted to be the do, be the drummer in junior uh-huh. high school, and they only had yeah. room for two drummers, and so I was ousted. Wow. But I was like, I always, wow. so I always, when someone tell me they played the drum, I got this little bit of envy in me. <laughs> yeah. So does that give you like a, and, does you that know, give you a that jump? also yeah. helps me too. You know, being a drummer, that also helps me too, you know, because being being a drummer, you have to be the timekeeper for for the bass drummer. I mean, for the bass keyboard player, guitar player, singer, you, you are the, you you are the pulse. I mean, you, you have to take care of everybody else. I mean, it's all on you to, to keep the beat, keep the rhythm, to create the, dy- you know, to be to be responsible for the dynamics. So I, I think that helped me as far as being being a mixer as, as well. Um, um, listening to everything, because being a drummer, you have your ear has to be on everything. Sometimes when you're a guitar player, you're just, you kind of, um, you know, you're kind of into yourself, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But yeah. it is about rhythm, of course, but when it's just time for the solo and all that and keyboard player and bass player, of course, the bass player and the drummer are, are, are more kindred spirits because they're keeping the groove. Um, but being a drummer, you're pretty much responsible for everything. So I guess that helps me mix records, too. Do, do you find do you find that because I read somewhere that uh, you worked with Bobby Brown? Now, right. how, do, how do all of these people and and when did it start? How did it just start happening that you started just, is it when you, when you work with one that you, you start attracting the others or how does that work even? Well, back in the day, um, A&R people were more res- responsible for putting people together. Um, so there was this A&R guy, um, who has passed away since, um, many years ago. His name was Lil Stylish Jr. And he was the president, I think he's the president or vice president of, uh, MCA Records. I, I might have that wrong. I, I have the right record company, but his title, I, I might right. have that wrong. But he worked at MCA Records, and he was over the uh, over the urban department. And um, and he had called me to work with Bobby Brown um, because he had him and I had met at the studio that he would always come to, and he would work with my mentor, and he would mix records with with, with my mentor, where I was the assistant mixer there. But after I moved on and started, and I went um, independent and um, and was an independent contractor, you know, working out, you know, working on on my own, then he found out and he called me and he he uh, he, he called me and wondered if I'd be interest, interested in work with Bobby Brown, and and you know, of course, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. work with him. About what, what time so, was that? Around what, around what time was that? What, what part that of Bobby's career was 1990. that? That was 1990. What album was that? Do you remember which album? Um, we were about to work on the Bobby album. That was ah, okay. that was like three years after "Don't Be Cruel." He was touring for three years straight, and you know he did did all the Ghostbusters soundtrack stuff and all that. But now it was time for him to work on his um on his follow up album. And so, but other than that, he was um he had uh. MCA had just given him his own label, so he, he had he had brought some um, 
some talented people from from Boston where where he was and signed him to his his label, um, which was called Triple B Records, and he had moved to Atlanta during that that, that time, and I did I wasn't really familiar with Atlanta, and um, so I worked with him here in California just on a couple of songs, and then he was like, "Hey, you want to come to Atlanta and work with me?" I was like, "Yeah," and I was only supposed to be there for like three months and work with him, mm-hmm. and then I. I mean, I, I loved it so much. I, I just stayed. I was like, let me just see what's going on here. Because LA and Babyface had just moved there too. Okay. I think they had moved there the year before. And I said, you know, maybe something's about to happen here. So maybe I need to stay. And um, it was a, it was a great decision. How long did you stay in Atlanta? And, you know, for? Uh, then I woke up and it was 12 years later. <laughs> Whoa. You stayed there for 12 years? Oh, wow. wow. I was there for 12 years, you know. Um, but it was great working with TLC and, and Outkast and Tony Rich and Tony Braxton and, um, man, the, the list go, oh, Usher and uh, Dallas Austin, Organized Noise, Goody Mob. So it was, it was great, you know. How do you, had, had how do you really manage to do all that? How do you manage to work with all these people and still be so down to earth? Like it's because it, it's very rare, you know, um, you think it, do you think it has something to do when um, when with how the world has I guess evolved a bit where nowadays I think people feel like they put this wall up. You think that's just new or is that something that you've, you ever run across that somebody who who's accomplished something, but they walk around like they've accomplished it kind of being a little bit down. To people? I don't know what, what their problem is, but I've always, you know, I always looked at that, looked at it as we're all human and we all do the same things and we all have, you know, good days, bad days. And, um, and I don't know why some people walk around like they've, like they've saved the world, but me, I, I, I come from, I come from a, a humble background, and where my my grandfather on my father's side, he was a, he was a barber, and my, and my grandfather, he worked in the factory, and he was a landscaper, and so, but, and they were hard workers, and I would watch them get up every, every day and go go to work, and so, that was instilled in me, and they were, they were great people, and I don't know, I just I just have a a very humble family and and I just don't take things for granted you know I, I like I said before I, I see life as you know things are given to you and it can go away too so you just got to be careful and yeah. I, I just look at life that that way man and and I think it's about being humble and just being normal and you know it's it, it takes hard work to, to be arrogant it's a, it's a lot of work to I agree with that. All that different airs <laughs> of, about you, man. That's that's hard work. It is because man. that's not who we naturally are. We're not naturally like that, and so to do that is something that that we've that we've created in order to, you know, I think that might be a wall. Just like you said, it might be a wall that we put up based around maybe fear and, and insecurity. But I, I'm, I'm not. I guess maybe I'm not an insecure person, um, so I, I don't get it. So it's hard for me to explain why people act that way because right. I don't actually get why people do do act that way. Okay. And what do you feel about like um, working as an independent? Because you worked for somebody before um, in the record business, mm-hmm. right? So what is it? What is it like being independent as opposed to working with, I guess, an um, a, a label? I guess I you think it's for? great. I think it's, it's really good because you. Um, it's really not. It's not about making your own hours because you still in some way you work for your clients. Um, but of course I work for myself. I have my own company, but, but, um, but I, I, I do, I have a service that I have to, 
give to my clients. And I like being that type type of person. I, I like giving. Um, and, and it's great to create a, a, a service. Um, and, um, but I, I just think it's great to have your own company, man. You know, because, because you make your own, own rules up, you know what I mean? It's not, and I'm, I'm not punching a clock, which is, which is great. Um, so I just think it's amazing Wow. to, to work for yourself. And do you find and that? To not have to give up, get up every day and go to work and clock, you know, and, and punch, punch a clock. Being in, in the music business, you know, being in this business, I, I can tell my clients, oh, I'll be there at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 12 a.m., whatever, just as long as I, I get the job done, I, I can set my own time. Man, that's amazing. And you know what's and you know what's funny? I sit down and and I think about those things. I think about people who who work for themselves. And you also have to have a certain amount of discipline because as you say, you work for right. yourself. So no one is there behind you telling you you gotta be yeah. there. So I find that with people, when they work for somebody, they're always on time. But when we work outside of work, that's when you see the real person. They show up whenever they want and they don't wanna do it. Yeah. But when you're forced to do it, uh they seem to be gung-ho with doing that so how do you find the, the energy and the strength to do this thing for yourself and push forward um discipline man like like i said i've i've had some great examples that um that that's i have some I had some great examples from my uncles and grandfathers and everybody that that has been instilled in me that even though i work for my myself you know you can't be lazy, and I, I'm I'm a workaholic. So I mean, I, I love to work, and, and I love this this music business. So the, the thought of being lazy and you know and saying oh I don't want to work today or you know and plus I you know I, I got people to take care of too. So you know I got a family mm-hmm. exactly. And um the, and and the thought of a man not wanting to take care of his family that boggles me too. And, and I've seen a lot of that. And that just blows my mind. And um, I, I just can't get into that mind frame. Yeah, no, I feel uh, you. But, I know what you mean. Yeah. I have two I have two more questions for you, and then we can wrap okay. it up. Now, the first question is going to be, what advice would you give to, let's say, the, the, uh, someone in the newer generation, whether they're in this field or, or not in this field, but they're looking to go out and they were looking to, to work for themselves? Or what advice would you give to somebody like that? I would say to have patience. That's the number one thing when, when working for yourself and trying to build a client list and trying to build clientele. You you have to have patience, and you have to learn to have to learn to network. You have to be a people person. Um, you have to be you have to be outgoing, um, and uh, and you can't be afraid. You you have to be fearless, you know, because there's always competition. I mean, when you're building your your business, someone else is building that same type of business, so. You know, while so while they're while they're sleeping, you need to be up, and that's that's the that's the advice that I I give to people. That's uh, and I just want to add to that because there was some that's something similar. I was watching an interview with uh, I believe it was Kobe Bryant, and he said he just mm-hmm. he just puts in I think he said something like four extra hours in, so he so um a day right so that he's like a couple games ahead of the competition, and by the time you you exponentially do that multiply that by you know a year to catch up eventually yeah. will be impossible so i love that right. idea of you know i've taken some of that because 
multiple people have said it to me. So I started getting up early. I normally don't like getting up early, but now I get up at four right. and it, and after a while mm-hmm. you, it becomes a habit like anything else that you do. I don't binge watch right. things anymore. I get up early. And before when mm-hmm. I would get up early, it wasn't to work. I would get up and I would be right. excited that I just got up, <laughs> but I wouldn't right. do anything. Life, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I now I get up and, and there's things that need to be worked on. I work on them. Uh-huh. And like you say, for your clients, you're trying to provide a service and it yeah. shows in your work. Like I see the stuff that you're right. doing and mm-hmm. you're so busy with the work that right. you, it's like a calling card to people. Right. You know, that was, that's why I, I respect that. But it, and it's something you said about my, my sound earlier. It's like mm-hmm. the reason why I don't have a sound because I take pride in not having a sound. Cause I think that when you have a sound that it, it, I think your, I think your clock runs out faster <laughs> in this, in this business. Um, because it can be trendy and people can move on to other people due to your sound right? where they want to move on and, and, and go some, somewhere else. So I, I, I take pride in not having a, a particular sound. Um, and why I don't have a sound, I don't know. I think just think because I just, whatever song I'm given, I get into that, I get into it and then I put myself into it. But, um, but I don't make that song or mix or production me. I, I, I make sure that it's still the client. I make sure that it still feels like them and, and not me. Cause sometimes as, as creators, we can put our sound on somebody and it's little, it's a bit in, invasive. And so I, I don't want to be that. So I always make sure that I bring myself to the table where I'm adding to what they're, they're doing, but not making myself, but not making myself them or the opposite way. Sorry about that. And, and ultimately um, putting yourself in the, into a box because I find that right. when somebody has a, a specific sound, it could either be sound dated eventually because now it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I know what he's going to do. Like, I, I don't like when I hear a record and I know who produced that. Like, I know this guy produced it. Oh, I know this, this person mixed it because it sounds the same. It sounds like, you know, you just got a different person on the vocals and, mm-hmm. but it's the same old thing. Um, so how, but how, yeah. and I got to ask you the second question. So how do you, how do you stay out of that? Do people come to you and tell you, I want this particular sound of that? Did that, did that, did that happen to you? Like people do that? Oh yeah, they they may say they want you know this sound to sound like that, but um, if I can, I'll I'll try to give them what they what they want. But sometimes some clients have to have a reality check and say, you know, this can't sound like that because it doesn't have the same vibe as that. Like you're giving me this, but it don't sound like that from the beginning. So how can I give you that? So I always try to talk them into let's just make it good rather than trying to make it sound like whatever you just told me it sound like, you know, giving you a, a particular sound. So hopefully sometimes they follow my lead and, you know, if it's good, it's good. Um, sometimes people are, are, you know, it's a lot of fear. It's, this business has a lot of fear. A lot of people want to follow and they want to follow trends rather than being, rather than being leaders. And that's why you find a lot of music sound, sounds the same now. Because a lot of people think that they can't get on unless it sounds like this, this latest trend. But people just want good, good music. You know, if it's good, it's good. I agree. If it's good, it's good. And you know what the funny thing about it is I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering, how do you tell somebody no, who's like, you know, somebody that you look that, that you might have wanted to work with? Do you find it difficult to tell these people? They might be they might have uh, strong egos or strong personality. How do you tell them no or it's not a good idea without rubbing them the wrong way? 
sometimes I have to prove it to them because if you don't prove it first, then they'll always wonder that it, they'll always wonder what if we, what, you know, what if we did take that path of what I wanted in, in the first place? So I, I have to prove it to them first because I, I'm not going to tell them that I can't do that unless I know that I can't do it. Um, so I always have to prove it to them and say, look, this is what it is. And this is what you're trying to make it in, into. That's apples and oranges. And they go, oh, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, my my job is to, they, they're hiring me because of my ex- expertise. So I have to try to give them what they want. But at the same time, if it if it's not, if there's no way to make it that, try to talk them out of it by, by proving it, not by just trying to talk them out of it. I just have to prove it first. I like that. And so when you say prove it, you, do you like probably mix something for them and let them hear it? Yeah, I have to mix mm, it okay. and show them what it, what it sounds like, you know, what they gave me a, a particular, like say, uh, like for an example, if they give me a small drum sound and they want it big, I'm like, I, I can't give you a big drum sound if you gave me small drums. There's so much that I can do with this. You know what I mean? So I have to prove it to them. Um, but sometimes they don't, sometimes they think that, that we're, that we are miracle workers. Right. And there's sometimes we create some, some, you know, some miracles, but there are other times it's like some things are just impossible. You know what I mean? And you want the best thing for your client too, because at the end of the day, it's your yeah. name on the track. And that leads me. Oh yeah, most definitely. Cause I'm a brand, you know, your brand, you know exactly. once you got your name on records, you become a, a brand. So I don't want my brand to be tarnished. So I have to try to talk them out of it. Cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to try to polish a, a, a turd and it, <laughs> it makes me look crazy. No, you know indeed, indeed, indeed. No, man. And my final question for you is how has the music business changed for you uh, having a family? Because, you know, at one point you were probably able to move around differently. And now mm-hmm. you have a wife and you have two children. How does that work out for you? Uh, it's about scheduling. That's what it's about. You have to learn how to juggle schedules. And it's a lot of uh, understanding. And, you know, and it's great to have a wife that's in the business. So she un- understands the long hours and, and what it what it takes. Uh, so, um, so, no, I, I have a, I have a great partner. So she, she gets it. And, um, when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. But for, but for me, you know, I have to, as far as the wife and kids, I have to find that time to spend, spend time, which is not often. So, you know, sometimes it's really good to just go and take a ride somewhere or, or go to some type of e- event or, um, some type of play or whatever concert, just spend that, that time because I don't have a lot of time to spend with them unfortunately because it's always something because I'm the type of person that's always working on album projects I don't work on a lot of singles so when you work on album projects it takes a lot of time a lot of long hours so do you, um, do you anticipate so anybody I'm, in your I'm business? I'm glad that they put up with me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well I mean they, they, they see what you're doing man like they see you out here working. Yeah. Is there any is there any um person that you see uh, like let's say like not per- persons um, any of your kids you see getting into the business uh, that you think they're interested at all you think you mean you what mean your one children? of my kids yeah what are your children oh I really can't see it now I mean my, my daughter she plays piano and and my son likes to quit drums likes to quit playing drums <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
as far as the music business, oh, my, my oldest son. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm tripping out. Okay. My, my oldest son, who, uh, he's, he's a producer. He has, you know, he, he's my name, namesake. Okay. So, uh, he's a producer in the business. Um, so he's the only one that's really in, in the music business. Does he watch you or, or did he watch you or, or you think, does he watch you or, or he, does he, did he watch you or, or did he pick up on his own? Um, I think he's observed from afar. I think he got inspired from seeing me in, in, in the business and that, um, and I think when, when he was a child, he was a, a baby, you know, uh, I guess by all the music that was played in, in the house and in the car, that really in, inspired him um, and probably seeing me work in, in sessions. And uh, I think that in, inspired him. And now, you know, he, he, he does beats and he uh, That's awesome, produces man. Hip, hip-hop acts. And he's, he's, very, he's very good at it. I think he's one of the best. And that's so it, awesome. It's good to sit back and watch him do, do his thing, and um, and I'm also managing him. I'm helping helping manage manage him, so it's good to help him stay on his path. Man, that's awesome, man. When you have, well, I mean, that's pretty much it. But I I love the story. And also, one last question: Do you do you when you hear a song that you produce come out and someone doesn't know, uh, do you just like take a, a a quiet pride in that, or do you mention it? Um, I'm the type of person, I'm so modest, man. Yeah. I, I'm not the type of person that blows my own, own horn. Uh-huh. I, I just don't do it. Um, some people say I, I should do it more, but I just don't see the need sometimes. Um, because I, I eventually, it, it always circles back to, to me somehow. You know, some people like, you know, if you're driving up next to a person in a song that you worked on there in the next car, enjoying it. Some people will scream out the window, hey, I worked on that, but I'm really? not. Really? No, I wouldn't see you doing that. No, I don't see you doing that. Yeah, I'm not. And I, you know, I know people who do that, and I'm just not that person. I just, <laughs> I, I like to sit back and just watch them enjoy what I've done. And, and to me, that is that is gratifying to see that they enjoy what they're hearing. You know what I mean? I'm glad um, that you have a personal, that's, that's yeah. It. It's good to know somebody like let you enjoy the music because I've talked to some people who have been, been in music or even in any creative field and after a while they get burned out. But I figure it's because you you, you haven't been boxed in or felt you're not chasing behind something. You're actually yeah. one of those people that's creating different things. And, and I, I really enjoy like, you know, um, listening to a lot of it now, now. Now I could go back and listen to more of those music because I know somebody mm-hmm. who worked on it. Word. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I truly enjoy this this music business. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that get in it for for the for the fame and for, for the money. But, you know, I, I get into it because I truly love music. I love the whole art of songwriting and mixing records and producing records. I, I love the whole art of it. And um, money will come. If you make good good stuff, then you know, then I, I think the rewards will come in in many ways. Um, but I've seen a lot of people who are just in it for the wrong reasons, and and they don't last. And maybe they got out of it. Maybe they got something out of it in, in that short period of time. But um, for for me, I, I'm I'm in it for for the long haul, and I've been doing it now for for 30 years. So wow, um, I'm I'm looking at a whole another 30 years to pile on top of that. Man, well, you're doing a great job, brother, and I, and I really appreciate you taking this time out to come on Nine File Killers, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Honored. Thank you, bro.
The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.